Hello friends, welcome back once again to Sam Perspective. Uh, if it's your first time listening, what took you so long, huh? Where you been? Keep up. Keep up with the times, buddy. Uh, I'm Alfred Faber, I'm your host, a young, up-and-coming sound designer, recordist, and filmmaker here in sunny Sydney, Australia, and I just love chatting to filmmakers and artists about how they use sound in screen media. And today, I got a real treat for you, Karen Baker Landers. She's a legend of a sound editor over in sunny Los Angeles, where she works for the Formosa Group. She was the first woman to win two Oscars for sound. She got one, and she was like, nah, not enough. I'm coming back for another, and they gave it to her, because she's great. Uh, She won them for The Bourne Ultimatum and Skyfall. She's worked on a billion other incredible films, such as Spectre, Robocop, Black Hawk Down, By the way, if you're liking the podcast, please do leave me a review on iTunes. It always means a lot. Or follow me on Facebook at Sound Perspective. I'm on Twitter at Sound Perspect. And I'm on Instagram at Alfie Faber Sound. Um, You can also shoot me an email at contact at soundperspectivepodcast.com if that's your thing. Uh, But enough from me. Let's hear from my good friend Karen. Karen Baker Landers, thank you so much for coming on and joining me. Absolutely. Reading your bio online was very interesting because it said that you started playing around with kind of sound recording and sound design as a kid when you were given a tape recorder by your parents. Yeah, I was probably 10 or 11 Mm. and my parents gave me one of those little handheld tape recorders and I used to um, just record sound, like no words. And I would try to get my family to figure out the story. Really? So if it were like footsteps or, um, and then, a, and then a, a, a creaky door opening. And I always did, I always say this, but I always did murders because they were <laughs> easy to, you know, you could like punch yeah. something or you could, you know, have your dog growl or bark or whatever. And so then I would try to get them to figure out what I had done, you know? So, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely something that I was intrigued with uh, as a kid. Mm. And so what kind of led to you wanting to explore that in film as opposed to, you know, music or audio engineering or something like that? You know, I started out actually, I write lyrics. I did write lyrics. Oh, really? And, cool. Yeah. So, um, and early on, before I kind of got into this career, I, I hooked up with a, um, I met a, who's now a good friend of mine. Uh, well, we met at a songwriting conference and we became roommates before I was really into, I was very young, um, but it was before I got into film at all. But I did major in college in film and you know the thing about sound is back then no one was really there were films and there were people doing sound design what we call consider sound design today but in college they were really always leaning on music right so we, right. our film projects you know we'd go out and shoot these movies and then 
if you come back and they just be putting music over everything, which is fine and it's much easier in a way because you just find some great pieces. But um, I was more intrigued by what you could do by manipulating sound to give a certain emotion. And mm. so so that became a um, kind of a fast track. I Once I got you know through school and I kind of just fell in love with that, I... I wanted to, I didn't really know what you could do with it. I mm. really didn't know. Mm. Um, I, I always say ignorance is bliss. I just kept falling into meeting the right people mm. because I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm. So Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you um, you fell in with Mark Mangini around then, didn't you? Or soon after? Yeah, right after college. I mean, mm. I was I still hadn't graduated yet, but Mark Mangini and Richard Anderson had come to my university to speak for two days, a two-day seminar, mm. and they talked about sound. And that was like the first time anybody, it was like that aha moment where, you know, you are listening to someone who's speaking about something that you could never quite pinpoint or put your finger on. Yeah. and. And so I just, after the seminar, you know, the two days I walked up afterwards and I just asked them if I could come and work for free after I graduated and just learn. And they said, sure. Cool. <laughs> so I did. Yeah. And I yeah. kind of became a gopher driver, but I met so many people that I'm still, even Mark, Mark works at the same company I work at now. So yeah. we're like, his design suite is right, is right above, we are in a two-story old paint building and his uh, design suite is right above mine mm. so um yeah how the world how your world <laughs> changes you know yeah you worked on a lot of uh films with per halberg um as like co-sound supervisor how did your relationship start with him i was being it was a company called Sound Deluxe at the time, and I was being asked to come in as an assistant. And I had just, it's funny, I had just gotten back from six weeks in Australia. Oh, cool. I had, uh, with my brother and three other guys, they were all firefighters, and um, they had just gotten into the fire academy, or graduated from the fire academy, and they wanted to go on a trip. And they, um, so, so I went on this trip, uh, and I came back and I was after six weeks, we rented a van, we drove up the Gold Coast and I just didn't really feel like, you know, working. I was just <laughs> thinking, I want to move to Australia. <laughs> you know, I, was, I was young and I yeah. just out of college and I just had this amazing trip and I, you know, my brother knew, the guys knew a lot of Australians um, up the coast. Mm. Um, and so we visited so many interesting people and I got the call about coming to Sound Deluxe and I almost said no, mm. just because I just didn't feel into it. And, um, but I, I figured I needed to start working. So I, I did, I went and um, they wanted to hire me as an assistant. And I said, you know, sure, but I don't know your computer program. It was a new program and, I, and they said, we'll teach you that. It's, it's, I, I did almost everything I could do to talk my, them out of hiring me. <laughs> And but they hired me anyway, yeah. and and so 
that day I'd walked down the hall, they were showing me around the facility and I met and I ran into Pear and he was also an assistant and he was mm. in a room and he was kind of newly here from Sweden. And we ended up talking for like four hours, just, um, you know, nonstop. And you know, when you meet somebody and it's, it's like that person is just supposed to be in your life. Mm. Um, it, it was just like we had known each other for so long. And so we met then and have really been, been friends and partners pretty much ever since that mm. meeting that day. Mm. And so what's your process of collaboration like with him when you're co-supervising a film together? Um, and why, why do you find like collaborating with him so important? You know, we, in the beginning, when I started working with him, there were very few women that did what I did. Um, and so there were a couple, you know, really well-known um, like K Rose, well known now. They were, you know, but at the time it was, um, I was young and I guess it felt, um, you know, collaborating. I felt like I had all these great ideas, but I wasn't, I didn't have confidence. I was very shy and I felt like, you know, collaborating with him in a room, super easy. Collaborating with our crew, very easy. But collaborating and getting around the director and producers and picture editor, I got intimidated in the beginning. And so um, he was kind of a safety net in the beginning. Um, and then, you know, the but I think there is something women and, and men have very different uh, feelings about, or at least I should only speak for Per and I, but we do have very different kind of feelings about sound and and life. He comes from an island in Sweden. I come from beach community in California. Mm. And so it's, it's, it's interesting, especially when you're doing a film that has a lot of, um, kind of vague design possibilities. Do you know if it's something emotional or more of a, uh, a thriller and a drama, you know, it's, it's like, how do you tell the film emotionally? I, I really always use my gut to tell me if I'm going in the right direction sonically. And, and Per is more, um, uses his brain. And so we find we'll split things up, you know. In the beginning, I couldn't cut a car chase to save my life. I couldn't, mm. you know, are, is it supposed to shift or what kind of car <laughs> is that? What, you know, is that, yeah. it just wasn't in my wheelhouse. Now mm. I'm, but I could tell you if it worked emotionally. I could tell you yeah. if it was I could tell you if it felt like it was working. Um, so it was nice to kind of bounce ideas off of, of Pear. Um, and, and then one of the few people honest that had I had complete trust that he would be completely honest with me and I would be completely honest with him because, you know, in the creative process, it is you're throwing a lot of bad ideas out there. Hmm. <laughs> Constantly. Throw shit and see if it sticks. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. it's it's risky sometimes. And, you know, it's nice to be with somebody who can tell you, don't show that to them. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> you know, that's bad. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, it was in to this day we do film, we collaborate occasionally now, especially if a film is in an, if, if we're doing it like in, on, um, the two Bond films, Skyfall and Spectre, we, 
we mix that in the UK, but we cut it in, in LA. So we have crew, you know, our crew is so important. And so we had people like I would stay on the West on, in, in, you know, LA for a while while he would go to the UK and then I'd come over for the mix. So it was nice. Or if it's a really big film with a lot of sound design, um, and a lot of changes in a, in a short schedule, you know, we'll team up. Mm. Um, but pretty much now we do, we haven't, I'm trying to think the last film we did together was probably Spectre. Mm. So, um, so yeah, but we're, we, sh we've shared an office our entire careers. We still share an office. Yeah, cool. And, yeah, cool. uh, and I'll still call him in or he'll call me in, or sometimes now at this point, I just don't want to hear his opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's interesting that you said you used to not be able to cut a car chase to save your life because you've now um, like made a career off action films. You've made two, uh, you've gotten two Oscars for action films, The Bourne um, Ultimatum and uh, Skyfall. And you've worked in lots of different genres. It's very impressive to see that you do like romantic comedies and some horror and do you do you feel like action films are something that you're especially good at these days you know i was told early on in my career when i was uh that they i was up for an action film and the um one of the studio execs had it had, i had been told said that well she probably you know kind of beat around the bush like maybe women aren't good at action <laughs> And I remember thinking, wow, I never even thought about that because I love action. And yeah. I think, you know, so in the beginning, I'm um, I but I always had that in the back of my mind. Well, are you know, are we not that good? You, you know, but um, I love action and mm -hmm. I love the emotion of action. And I must say, I work with, like I say, a fantastic crew and, and that can, you know, um, so I, I do a lot of, you know, collaborating, um, but yes, I love action, but I really love a film where it's from a, a work perspective where I can get emotional and use the kind of tonal, um, emotional aspect of sound design. I just did a film, it's out actually on Netflix. It was supposed to be released in the theaters, but you know, the coronavirus, and um, it's called Sergio, and right. it's probably one of my favorite films that I've done sonically, mm. because it is all about sound, emotional sound, so so that's kind of my favorite, I, I'll do, I love just to, I love to do my job, I love, you know, cutting a comedy is really different, like, mm. you have to know what a funny sound is, and, you know, and you'll sit there. I, I remember, this is probably a gross story. I don't know if I should <laughs> tell it. Um, but it's it's an insight. We I was doing a film um, called uh, Life, as we, Life As We Know It, mm. a, kind of a romantic comedy. And um, there's a scene where this couple has this baby and long story short, they've put all those protective things on all through the house and the baby has mm. to go to the bathroom. 
bathroom and they don't have a diaper and they can't get the toilet open. And so the baby, the guy takes his hat off and the baby poops in his hat. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It took us a month to get, like, should it be wet? Should it be <laughs> Should there be a little, little, you know, fart in front of it? You know, like, and you have these full on serious conversations and about this poop in the hat and but it had to be funny. You know, you it's you yeah. know when it's like you're sitting there a bunch of adults going, Okay, I wanna play you something and you tell me. And if they if they don't laugh, it's like, Well, what's so funny about that? So, you know, I love the challenge of comedies too. Yeah. Because there are funny sounds. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or it's just gotta fit story wise and rhythmically and mm. you know, comedy is very rhythmic and Yeah, yeah. The Bourne trilogy especially is, I feel like, a really good example of manipulating mood and tone with sound because it's just so relentless. It's kind of like you've got these chase sequences and these action sequences that are like 20 minutes, half an hour long of just constantly through a city. Um, and how do you kind of maintain an energy through that or like raise or lower what the audience is feeling you know the borns are very interesting because of the way they're cut and shot mm. and um doug lyman did the first one and uh then um chris rouse was the picture editor and then paul greengrass did the next two mm. um chris ross also the picture editor and it's cut in a very specific way it's very quick like you say it's constantly moving and if you just blanket the entire film with sound um you the audience is having to take in so much information visually mm. that sonically you can't do the same thing to them you you if you have music going and music's rhythmic and there's a you know a lot of percussion driving a scene you kind of have to find a balance between, you know, where do we, uh, you let the audience um, have a break so they can absorb what's happening. And so sound became like on the boards, more like a sonic compass mm. because, you know, you had to try to help the audience through, you know, dialects, you know, hearing a little bit of this or that where they were, um, you know, because it's it's an, a chasing, you really do, to some extent, want the audience to be part of the chase and to be um, following along and not be confused. So that was the challenge on the, on the Bournes, mm -hmm. is because it is high energy, is creating a soundtrack that just complements the story and the action and doesn't, you know, just add more mm -hmm. hash onto it. So it, it it's really thought out and about, you know, the when we put sound, if you kind of cover, you know, three or four cuts, you know, how do you do that? You know, you, you, you have to be able to sit back and play things and go, oh, that's bad, you know, <laughs> because I have no idea what just happened. Mm. And and then, you know, you, you will be your own, you know, when you're cutting, you know, you you get sometimes you get lost in it. But. If you walk away, come back the next day, play the scene, and if you're like, whoa, I could breathe and I could actually enjoy that, then you're, you're on to something from a sound perspective. When something's cut that quickly. Mm, mm. And 
you those films have been made over what about 15 years that franchise had been going yeah yeah, yeah. so was there a kind of legacy that you felt like you had or theme that you felt like you had to continue throughout it that you wanted to um like a tone to it it's a good question because you know he's growing and and you you know visually like tech there's technologies and how Mm -hmm. does the technology subtly shift do you, you know there's a, a feel to the original born um so a lot of that also comes from score and the tone of the film and so it's like how how do you again because of the way they're cut it the the opportunity to have sound as kind of your you know for the majority of the film is placing you the audience in this environment. And I think that's unique to the Bournes is that, uh, that you have to find a way to make the ambient, uh, because you're all over the world on yeah. the Bourne. Yeah. Or if you're in a chase scene, you're all over the city or, mm. or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so I think if it's, it's the, if we felt like the legacy, it was just to keep up, with you know telling the story the way that the movies were shot and cut and so it's the same thing from um a sound perspective as it would be the picture or you know even cinematography you know we kind of look at that and go oh well this is um this is the direction that they're going in however i will say the things about the firstborn the fight scenes you know that was the first time really i mean that was kind of like a james bond but he was there was no, uh, you know, kind of tongue in cheek. Nothing was, there were no jokes. It was yeah, very, yeah, very serious. serious. Mm. Yeah. So the fight scenes, we are brutal. Mm. There were yeah. no, you know, and the breathing and just how we cut the breathing and how mm. you cut a punch and, mm. and, and you don't, you know, and how you, you don't want it to be, you want it to be brutal, but not over the top, not a movie you yeah. know punch yeah and yeah. so that's the like that's very con- consistent throughout the borns mm. are are that with with jason born he's physically efficient he's a machine the all the guys that come out of treadstone or you know that come out of that they're machines they're they are taught to you know conserve their efforts and and so we uh, have always uh, tried to apply that um, into the Bournes. Unlike where in the Bond movies, sometimes James Bond, you know, there's some humor and sometimes he falls or he, you know, and so mm. it's a different type of... You know, it's a bit tri- more you know, slick. Yeah, so mm. the... Exactly. So the, um, the the common theme, I would say, throughout the Bournes is, is in the main character, Jason mm. Bourne's movement, um, his punches his fights his breaths you know we tried to be very uh, um different in that in our approach it was a really conscious decision of how we made him sound physically other than just the the you know dialogue itself yeah i've always found it really interesting how there are certain sounds presented in film like punches that we're used to being 
sounds from films but they actually sound nothing like that in real life but there's this kind of canon in cinema um of what something should sound like and so do you decide from the beginning how much you want to try and kind of stick to that canon or that um audience expectation of what it's going to sound like there is film sound for sure there's it but it's i guess it's telling the story and of whatever is on the screen now i'm very much um into doing kind of if you see something and you think it should be a certain way doing the opposite Mm. you know trying to pull because it's not you know see somebody do something hear a sound yes there's certain things that you can't be so cutesy or so you know artistic that the audience goes what's happening it has to be appropriate but you know you want you, i think to do what what i do you have to love movies mm-hmm. and i'm a good audience like i don't sit and judge too harshly on any film i can really just get wrapped up and enjoy a good movie and you know i don't sit there and critique it even if it's there's something that you know i've had to really suspend you know my my belief um, or disbelief. And so I think that it's all telling story and it's all, how do you feel emotionally when you're working, doing the sound on a film? Are you, does it make you feel whatever the character's feeling or whatever their, the director's intent is, you know, is, and, and does it make you feel that in your gut? Mm. Um, and so, because if you use your brain all the time, which obviously you've got to use your brain, but if you're if you're always thinking something through, then you'd be very your your soundtracks would be you know this is what I see, this is mm. what I hear, and I may have directors who don't have a lot of experience in sound and they don't really know what to they'll say. I, I'm not sure how to to ask for what I want from a sound perspective, and I said I always tell them just tell me how you want to feel because that's what it's all about. So I think I'm answering your question that if if um there is a uh, you know we call it mo- like movie sound so punches might be bigger cars may you know have a little bit more oomph to them than you would actually hear but otherwise it would fall flat you know so you you have to push it without um drawing too much attention to it. Mm. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you talk about directors asking for stuff. You've you've uh, worked with some really uh, incredible, quite famous directors. I'm curious uh, what working with Ridley Scott was like because he's one of my favorite filmmakers. And um, I thought uh, American Gangsters is just phenomenal, and Black Hawk Down is such a like relentless film what what's he like to work with as a director he's fantastic he's mm. he is a, a gentleman uh he's visually his his create creativity visually is just i think off you know off the charts he's uh for me personally my experiences with him was were um always pleasurable and fun and he's incredibly interesting he has great stories Mm. and but he never he will rarely tell you 
how to do your job as far yeah. as sound. Do you know um, Black Hawk Down? He pretty much the only sound note he really gave was that, you know, these guys are under fire constantly, mm. and you know, wanting to feel what they must feel. Mm. Uh, but you know, he's he gives you kind of the freedom to do your thing. Mm. And if he doesn't like it, he'll tell you, but he, uh, you know, he's so creative. He's, he is so, like I say, just interesting to talk to, you're mm. to listen to. And his, and his, you know, I learned as much about film from him as I did, you know, I also learned how to just conduct yourself as, you know, which is important because you're dealing with studios and you're dealing with executives and you're dealing with you know, different personality types and, and watch Ridley's a master at dealing with people and working with people. So I learned a lot on, on how to, how to navigate that kind of part of the, the filmmaking process. Mm. Um, so yeah, I can't say enough good things about him really. Both Bourne and Skyfall are action films that take, are taking place all over the world and, um, was it difficult to source ambient or local sounds for that to make it uh, sit well and be in, in the place? Mm, good question. Um, we have a huge library at mm. our company. We have great uh, relationships with production recorders. So if we need something to say, can you just grab us the back, you know, some city, city sounds or subway sounds or... Mm. Uh, you know, but also, uh, you know, the challenge is, is, is in you, I'm sure you know this, is you should be able to close your eyes. In most cities, you don't have to see, you'd know what New York sounded like or mm -hmm. Sydney would sound like. You know, they have a, their own sound. And so part of our job is to recreate that. And um, part of it, you know, I also, as I work with, my crew is pretty international mm. and they've been to a lot of different places. And so you're, you're drawing upon your own experience cause I love to travel. And part of that is because of my job. And, um, so you, you definitely want it to sound realistic. You want people mm. to know where they're at, but then again, it all comes under the same kind of thing we're talking about with story. You know, maybe the city, should sound a little left of center, you know, maybe mm. it shouldn't sound exactly like London, you know, maybe there's parts of it, but maybe during a specific scene, you want it to sound off or weird or, but, but yes, because you get highly, believe me, you'll get highly criticized if, you know, people like accents aren't right or yeah. you, you, if they, you have a group, um, actors and, you know, someone's like, oh, that's not that accent. That's not that dialect. So those kinds of things we're very careful about. We're also mm. very careful about like, you know, do they have crickets or cicadas in certain environments? And is this a bird that would actually be there? And along with, you know, sirens are a big one. Like the sirens sound very different around the world. Mm. So, um, you know, the classic, you know, in, in London forever was, you associated that with London. Mm. And, um, you know, so there's there's things that you have to get right, and like I say, having experience traveling and and um, a huge library and a great crew, and also 
the, like I say, the production recordist, you know, calling them up and asking for, for things like, like, for example, in Sergio, I, um, there's a bombing and it's a car bombing and the car goes in and it, you know, it blows up this building. There was actual, there was actually a reporter there that day who was like on the, in the, in the, um, one of the floor on one of the floors and they got the person's, uh, recording. Really? And, wow. And wow. so you could wow. hear what it sounded like during the aftermath and you could hear what things sounded like and, um, horrifying because it was real. And this film was a very, you know, this film is all about emotion is all about emotion. And, um, so I was very true to following that recording. And also, I think that was also the director's wishes. Right. I didn't. I, I didn't know that film was available on Netflix yet. But um, I'll make sure I watch it. I'll make sure I check it out. Yeah. It's a fantastic it, film. Your is it one you're particularly proud of having worked on? Yes. Mm. Yes. Probably one of my favorite soundups. Also, it was just the the pleasure of working with this director and the picture editor and the producers and everybody um involved in this film were this group of really smart um level-headed kind of interesting intriguing group of people that i was so uh honored is mm. you know, to be a part of and to yeah. let them have them let me into their world mm. um because, you know, there are a lot of them, several of them, you know, are uh, war correspondents and they've, you know, been in parts of the world doing things that I, really? you know, only on the news and that yeah. kind of thing. So, so yeah, but it was be curious. You have to drop me a line when you see it because it's, it's pretty, I think it's, a, the film is amazing, but the sound, we manipulated the sound uh drastically in this movie so as you said the correspondents were part of the team did they actually kind of give you feedback on the reality uh the reality of the soundscape and like how real it felt what you were doing yeah there i mean you know the director who who's done many documentaries and and uh been around the world you he he would definitely give us you know his feedback on what something was if something was working or not, but uh, we had um, one of the um, people on the film uh, who had been kind of a, a consultant, mm. who had actually has been, you know, and a war correspondent. She uh, had had been around, you know, when a car bombing had happened. Wow! And yeah, she actually after we did a private screening for her and when she turned around and said that's exactly what it sounds like wow so that was wow. a huge compliment because yeah. that's just a, that's not the film world you mm. know that's a different world that what we were trying to achieve in this film was real was sometimes we just went completely opposite of reality mm. and then sometimes we wanted and then you know when you pop back into reality we wanted it to be that's a film where you're like, this is serious. We need it to feel real and brutal. And so, yeah, we, we did ask people, you know, how is this feeling? Hmm. Is it, is le it legit? 
Again, thanks so much to Karen for the interview. As always, thanks to Jean-David Legoulon for music and sound design. And thanks so much to Erica at the Formosa Group for hooking this up. Also, make sure you do go watch Sergio on Netflix. Um, I watched it last night and it was indeed fabulous. Anyway, thanks for listening. Have a good one.